When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. This is an emergency Cubs podcast. Um, we'll see if any other trades happen while we're emergency podcasting, but the uh, the Cubs traded the, I guess he's the, I think he's probably the face of the 2016 Cubs. Um, one of the most popular Cubs of all time, Anthony Rizzo, is now a Yankee. Um... And so with me is uh, Kyle Reichert. Kyle's here. Sam is, uh, I don't know if he's still pondering the Blackhawks draft and trades or whatever. He's unavailable. So it's just me and Kyle are going to break this down. But you're in good hands with us. Um, Okay, so what was your initial reaction when you saw that, what was the first thing? Jack Curry from Yes reported that the Yankees were closing in on Anthony Rizzo. Because yeah, we haven't heard more, the Yankees at all with this. This was always the yeah, Red Sox. Yeah, they came out of nowhere, kind of. Um, it wasn't surprise, not like really anger at all. It's just because it felt so inevitable by this week, by the time this week rolled around, pretty much. Um, just for me, mostly just like bummed out and sadness a little bit, frankly. Just, I mean, we'll get into it. Like, I'm. I just haven't been able to think far enough down the line about like, oh, is there a chance he comes back? You know, after the after the season, the off season, whatever. Um, I don't know. The guy was he was my personal favorite player, and I know I'm not alone in that regard. He was a little, I mean, unique to me specifically. Not that anyone cares, but he was the last like athlete that I was able to like emulate during my exceptionally mediocre high school baseball career. Cause he got called up when I was, I think I was 17, my junior year. And I like, I attempted to play first base and I would wear the three quarter sleeves and the line of eye black because it was what Rizzo did. So that was like the last connection to like the innocent baseball playing days for me. So um, that was the part that hit a little more personal as dumb as that sounds when you say it out loud. Uh, but I mean, yeah, he's the face of, arguably the most culturally significant championship in modern American sports history. And to, to see him go in any capacity is, is, is a bummer, no doubt. Yeah. And he was really, I mean, he was the start of the rebuild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, that was the, the first trade that they made that put a stamp on what the team they wanted was he had played for, for Jed and Theo. They drafted him. He played for the Red Sox. Jed had already traded for him once when he was the general manager of the Padres. And that was the guy they wanted. And they traded the great Andrew Kashner, who was like the one Cub 
pitching prospect at the time they had that was worth a damn. He was also a guy who was always hurt. So it was very smart. It was a savvy move. And then he got traded to the Cubs. This is ridiculous. Because the Padres had Yonder Alonso. And they're like, oh, you can't play both these guys. It's like, so you pick the guy who you know, has maybe some doubles power. And you trade away the other guy. Um, yeah, and then he had to wear it on those terrible teams with Dale's fame. He had to, he had to put up with getting... Dale threatened to send him and Starlin to the minors, and that was pretty much the end of Dale. Theo's like, well, Dale's lost his mind. Um, yeah, and, I mean, he had the... We talked about it a little bit the last time we had a, a Cubs podcast. Um, one of the most iconic moments of the Cubs' development was that game in Cincinnati when Aroldis threw at Nate Sheerholtz and laughed. And Rizzo was just sick and tired of it. And he, when he came out of the dugout to go to first base, the Reds, you know, the Reds dugout is on that side. They were giving him, they were giving the Cubs shit. And he basically threw his glove down and said, "All right, let's go." And he tried to take on the entire Reds dugout, um, which was great. The Cubs had not shown any kind of, you know, fight until that point. Um, another thing we talked about though was this idea that he was the captain and um, I've heard conflicting reports about, you know, he was a, he was a very liked player in the clubhouse. I think there was some in recent years when the Cubs had gotten bad again, there were some players who were like, Oh, for Christ's sakes, stop acting like Rizzo runs things for us in here. That's not how this really works. Um, there will be some guys on, or some guys on that plane tonight on the way to D.C. who aren't heartbroken that he's gone. <laughs> I don't know that any of them matter, though. Um, and then there's the the idea that the market for him and the for any first baseman in the offseason isn't going to be terribly robust, and it's likely that one of the teams that's going to have a gaping hole at first base is the Chicago Cubs. And it could be that we look back on the time they loaned Anthony Rizzo to the Yankees for the playoff run and then ended up with him anyway. So it doesn't necessarily have to be the end of his run with the Cubs. I, it usually is, though. It's, it's, it's doesn't, everybody talks about it all the time. Oh, we'll just trade him. We'll just go sign him back. You know, Once a player goes somewhere else, their, their attachment to the place they just left you know, it fades. It doesn't mean it's the other th- one thing that we have with the Cubs. They have a very long history of bringing back iconic players at the end of their careers. Everybody from Fergie and Rick Russell and Greg Maddox and I know I'm missing a you know it's they they have done it over and over and over again. Um. So there's, even if it's not next year, it, it would not be shocking if the next guy to wear 44 for the Cubs is the last guy who wore 44 for the Cubs. Yeah. Um, now, supposedly, and I hate to, I hate to give Jesse Rogers credit, um, but he did tweet something today which is absolutely right, which is the most useless thing you're going to see these next two days now are... Uh, prospect rankings. 
Oh, the Cubs got the number nine and number 12 prospect in the Yankees system, blah, 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 blah. Um, that said, the guys they got for Rizzo were, at least on paper, were better than what people thought that they were going to get for him. A big part of that was their willingness to, the Yankees aren't, the Yankees, for God's sakes, aren't paying Rizzo's salary the rest of the year, the Cubs are. And one of the guys they got, um, Kevin, I don't know if it's, we got too many Alcantras and Alcanteras. It's going to be way too yeah. confusing. According to Fangraphs, is already he was the ninth pros, ninth best ranked prospect for the Yankees. He's the Cubs' second ranked prospect already. He hasn't even been with the Cubs for four hours, and he's already the second best guy they got. Uh, but that doesn't mean much. So, I mean, think about how how long Albert Almora was parked in the top five of the Cubs prospect rankings. I do think it's funny that um, their, their comparisons to, uh, for Alcan- or, uh, Alcantara or Alcantara, however he says his name, because he's six foot six and plays center field, Dexter Fowler. Naturally. Yeah. It's like, why, just, why not just compare him to, you know, Dwayne Wade? So maybe they address the center field leadoff thing that's plagued them for basically their entire history outside of the two Dexter years. And the one thing that is true about the two guys they got is that we do not expect to see either one of them in Wrigley for a very long time. Yeah. You know, I think one of them just turned 20. Maybe they're both 20. So, um, you know, it's... And that's not yeah. that... It's, you're going to see a lot of that in these trades in the last two days is that it's... Nobody trades their close-to-the-majors top prospects anymore. You're either, if you're getting somebody who's um, who's close to, you think it's close to the big leagues, it's a it's a guy like they got from the A's, or it's young, really young guys, and that's what I think you're going to see from all these um, trades. Yeah, it did soften the blow for me a little bit once I started looking into, like, the overall consensus seems to be that the Cubs did well on the prospect frontier. I mean, again, it's impossible to know. And, yeah, this Alcantara fellow turned 19 two weeks ago. So, yeah, it's uh, got a little road ahead of him here. But Yeah, I mean, as, a, as opposed to Greg Dykeman, who's 26. Yeah. <laughs> aren't, you, aren't you a little old to be a – and I get it. We should probably not be fixated on – on ages, given that everybody lost a development year last year. Mm-hmm. There's a chance he would have played for the A's last year as a 25-year-old rookie, which is a little better than... He did play for him this year for a little bit as a 26-year-old rookie. Um, and the fact that if, if they trade Bryant tomorrow or tonight, you know your best player is a 29-year-old rookie, Patrick Wisdom. Yeah. Which, I guess, it's still Javi. But and Wilson, but honestly, if you're gonna if you were doing a power ranking of the Cubs, P. Wiz is way too high on that list as of tomorrow. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's easily top three position player. Yeah, yeah. He might. Lit- he, he, I don't know who else you could make a case for. He's the third best position player they'll have when Bryant leaves. Yeah, once Bryant's gone. And then is is fourth best? Like, fourth best is probably Nico. <laughs> but yeah, where's Rafael Ortega? He's way too high too. <laughs> yeah, he's freaking thirty. I mean, yeah, he's stepping the top five. The Cubs lineup, as of starting tomorrow, 
is going to be abominable. They may have to bring up Ball Bunyan to play first base. <laughs> I just have a hard time. I know we talked about it last time, too. I still have a bit of a hard time like processing the fact that this is actually where it is. Like, yeah, it's... If you were to reround five years ago, and even four, or even three, honestly, in the middle of 2018, they were you know, best record in the NL for the entire middle part of the season and whatever, and said this is where it was going to be three years later, like, would have said you're out of your mind. I mean, some of the signs were starting to point that way with the spending stuff, but, like, even still, like, the whole talk, like, it was the immediate pre-World Series and post-World Series, it was basically they're going to dominate this thing for a decade, win a couple of these, whatever. And, I mean, we've known for a while that it didn't and wasn't going to happen, uh, but now that it's officially coming apart, it's uh, different than I thought it was going to be. Just experiencing it as a fan. Yeah, it's it's completely it's ludicrous that they are where they are at right now. Yes, that's the best way to put it. I mean, it. this team should be they they Bryant Rizzo and Baez should have been signed, and then they should have filled in around them. And when people are like, well, they didn't. What did they win? These teams haven't won anything. We talked about it last time. The, the they somehow managed up this roster without paying these guys. They somehow ended up with a top heavy roster. You mm-hmm. would expect it. Like if if if, you, if we had said our after you know after the parade in 2016, said all right, if you look at five years, there's going to be a huge talent gap once you get past um, Kyle Hendricks, Javi, Rizzo, Wilson. And Bryant, there's going to be there's going to be this huge gap before you get to anybody else. And we would have all assumed then that the reason for that is that they're paying, you know, like Rizzo, twenty five million dollars a year, and Bryant thirty million dollars a year, and Javi twenty six million dollars a year, and they can't afford these other guys. But they weren't. They were paying Bryant nineteen million dollars a year because he had to go to arbitration every time to get it. They're paying Rizzo sixteen and a half, and Javi's like what twelve and a half. So if you said that, you're like, well, shit. They should be able to, the, the, they should be, that roster should be filled out with, you know, good veteran players and then hopefully some prospects. And it wasn't. No, it, it was not. It was just a bunch of, it was failed Cub prospects that they couldn't, they couldn't find a home for, like Hap. And then guys they were scraping off the street, like Patrick Wisdom. I think I remember it was again the 2018 season going into that year. I think they're they're starting infield, which was still the World Series winning infield, I guess. With I mean, Javi and Zobrist or whatever. Um, you get the idea. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure that infield was like 22, like less than 25 million dollars for those four that year. And like that was exactly it. Like yeah, if you would have said even at the time, it's like oh look how you know, they have all these studs not paying them anything and have all the resources to supplement it well and just didn't. Yeah, their whole plan was, was sign pitching, draft college hitters, and then when the college hitters develop and it's time to pay them, we will have backfilled by developing our own pitching, and we'll always have that balance. We'll be paying one or the other a lot of money, not both. And then because they didn't develop any pitching, it didn't work, and they had to go spend money on pitches that they didn't plan to spend money on. But when you when you go out this year and you take the guy who 
basically should have been the Cy Young winner last year, and you just give him away before the season starts, then you're not paying either of them. You're not paying your pitchers, and you're not paying your hitters. And you somehow still had $150 million payroll. And then when they look ahead to next year, and they're all excited about the fact that they only have $60 million committed. Um, mo- more than, ha- well, I guess, is it, even, it might not even be 60. It's, it's Hayward, Hendricks, and Bodie. And then it's a bunch of guys who are, they can renew, even Wilson. They're paying basically 60% of their guaranteed money to, to Jason Hayward, who's the worst player on their team and one of the worst players in baseball. I think it's obviously it's been well documented how bad he's been this year in particular, but this whole time, obviously at large, I don't think we really appreciate just how hard that contract has fucked them over yeah. and all this. Like it doesn't get talked. I mean, it gets talked about, but honestly, as much as it gets talked about, it doesn't get talked about enough still. Like, and I mean, that was another one where like at the time, like I still understand the thought process of like, yeah, you're paying a premium to upgrade marginally in a, in the, corner outfield or any position really and yep. like Jesus Christ it was it was a terrible it was a, it was a horrible mistake the kind that Theo wasn't supposed to make yep and that was they took a good player and they played him paid him like a great player and thought he was gonna you know somehow get better and then the but the biggest fuck up they had was they gave him an opt-out after three years and they were convinced he was gonna leave oh yeah but there was no way they were ever gonna have to pay the last five years on that contract and they got to pay every goddamn penny of it because he was bad. And no, and they knew it right away. Right away. he was so terrible in 2016. In fact, until this year, that had been his worst year. Well, guess what? Now he's just as bad again. And they can't, they can't trade him because nobody will give you anything for him. And then if you could find somebody who's going to give it for him, he's got a full no trade. So he can be like, <laughs> I don't want to go there. So you know, it's, it's never even rumored. It's just everybody knows they're just stuck with it. Um, so absurd. And they should. I guess it doesn't, obviously the rest of this year doesn't matter. But if they're serious that, oh, we're not going to rebuild. We're, we expect to contend next year. Then I have a, if, it, to me, it's I, the way you prove it. Obviously, you go out and get t- players in the offseason. But you also, you release Jason Avery. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, it didn't work. We're, we, we're stuck paying him $50 million these next two years, but he's not helping. And we're just got to get him off the roster. And they won't do that. They'll drag his no. ass to the finish line. And then they'll finally be, oh, thank God we're free of that. It's like, yeah, well, you didn't, you had to pay him. You didn't have to play him. You know, and then, of course, he played an unintentional, ridiculous role today, which is... And I knew, I knew it wasn't going to happen. When I saw the lineup today and Brian and Rizzo weren't in it, I'm like, they're not going to play. Uh, the fact that Rizzo had a batting helmet on and was in the dugout, in the hole, and the game ended was shocking to me. But, you know, they had plenty of chances. If the idea was to get Bryant up to let him pinch hit, they had lots of chances to do it, and they didn't do it. And the game ends with Hayward having to extend the game to give him a shot. And, there's you know, everybody knew that was going to happen. Yeah. You'll have to forgive me. I didn't watch a pitch today, so. Yeah, well, there's this very sad scene of Bryant standing in the dugout. That with I his helmet see. on and a bat, and he's not even on deck. And then the game ends, and he just he kind of takes the helmet off and puts it away and just sits on the dugout bench and looks at the field. Because he knows he's never 
You're never sitting in that dugout again. He'll be back at some point, but on the other t- other side. And then they had the shots after the game of the, the Rizzo family walking yep. around on the field. And the weird picture Rizzo took where he's, like, in the vines, like... Yeah. Like, um... When they're pulling Andre Dawson out of the vines. Yeah, it's... And the... I kind of feel bad. I mean, one of the things I feel bad about is if you're Rizzo and you you leave the only place you've really known. I know he played for the Padres, but you the way you get yourself over it and get excited about it is, all right, I'm going to go. I'm in the middle of a pennant race. This is going to be fun. I picked up a lot of games. He didn't. The Yankees are yeah. nine out. They're in third yeah. place. They they lost 14, what is it, 14 to nothing today of the race. They're bad. And, yeah, they added Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo, but unless one of those two learns how to pitch by tomorrow, they're playing out the string. And then Rizzo's a free agent again. So, um, I mean, I guess... I think the the question no one's uh, asked or answered yet is, um, has, uh, or who's going to be David Kaplan's replacement uh, source in the the Cubs locker room? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Maybe it'll be Eric Hosmer. Yeah. Okay, so one of, one of the things I want to talk about was yeah. um, the minute that the Rizzo rumors heated up, you also there was companion rumors, which were that the um, Padres are desperate to try to get out from under Eric Hosmer's contract. They might be a little less desperate if the Max Scherzer trade has really fallen apart for them. Because one of the things was if they added Scherzer, even if they had... Um, they're trying to get the Nats to pay all of his money because they're perilously close to the luxury tax, and they don't want to pay it. They also don't have a spot for Hosmer anymore, because when they got Adam Frazier, they moved their second baseman to first. So they got a full infield without Eric Hosmer in it. And Hosmer has a 10-team no-trade. Um, Milwaukee is on it, which I didn't realize, because one of the thing, one of my ideas was the Cubs to just flip into the Brewers. Um but there's the thought that a team like the Cubs, that's who the Padres would like to trade him to because he's not on their no-trade list. And his contract, as big as it, as it is, is only, and I'm making air quotes, only, it's only $13 million the next three years. Now, he's not a $13 million player. He was never a $20 million player, which is what the Padres were paying him. But say you're the Cubs and you're really serious about this shit, about your your quick retooling. One of the things you do is you use the fact that you're a big market team, which I know the Rickets don't want to admit that they are. You trade for Hosmer, and the the price you exact from the Padres is yes, we'll take this contract off your hands that you really want, but you've got to give us a good prospect this time. We don't want one of the, you know, elementary school kids that we got for you. You got to give us one of your top prospects, and we'll take Hosmer. And then you take him, and since you're getting him tomorrow, you won't have time to flip him, and then he plays first base for you for the rest of the year. But then in the offseason, you find a team that's interested in him, and you figure out what percentage of his salary you're just going to eat. And maybe then he's an $8 million player, or a $6.5 million player for some other team, and somebody will take him and probably give you something that's relatively good for it. That's how you can use the fact that you actually have money and basically buy yourself prospects. So it makes perfect sense for them to do it. But they have to have the will to do it. And 
I mean, I, I just get the feeling that Jed, every time he wants to make one of these trades, has to go hat in hand in to see Tom and explain, and Crane, I'm sure. I'm sure Crane is intimately involved in this, and has to go, okay, well, in order to get this player, we have to pay 100% of the salary. We have to pay 80% of the salary. We have to do this. And every time, I'm sure they're like, oh, I don't think we can afford that. Oh. And he's got to beg for it. And then, so far, it seems like they have said yes. But I, who knows how long they keep saying yes. So it could be that they just, they don't do it. But this, it's, it seems like a pretty easy decision because all it'll ever, all it'll cost you is cash, and you should get back prospects. Which, it's clear when you make a trade with the Yankees for their ninth best prospect, and he becomes your second best prospect, you've got problems still in your minor league system. And I know I've heard all this stuff about how the Cubs have a lot of raw talent that's just really young, and some of that will turn out, but nobody fucking knows that. A lot of it won't is the problem too. Yeah, I mean, even I mean, look at the guys, look at the at the prospects they had. At one point, we looked at it, we we're like, "Oh my God, look at this! We have we have Chris Bryant, and we have Javi Baez, and we have Addison Russell, and we have Albert Elmora, and we have Jorge Soler, and holy shit, what an embarrassment of riches!" And you look back on it, and what did they have? They had Javi, and they had Bryant. Jorge had one good year, and that was with the Royals, and then he yeah. went bad. Addison was trending the wrong direction before we found out what a scumbag he was. And Almora never turned out to anything. And honestly, hitting on two of those guys is probably more than you realistically should have hit on to have players as good as Bryant and Baez out of that crowd. So you can, you can, you can assemble all this talent, but it doesn't mean any of it's going to work out. Baseball's hard. So, yeah, so I don't know. They still have, um, you know, the especially once Scherzer is traded. It looks like he's going to the fucking Dodgers. I mean, for God's sakes. Really? It's got to be the Dodgers. Um, the Cubs go back to having the most in-demand trade piece again, and it's Kimbrell. And, you know, they've, they've got to maximize that. Or, you know, I guess they've done better than people thought they would have so far, but we still don't know that. We're still relying on other people. My favorite was, I don't know if you saw the tweet, there was a guy who was talking about how good uh, Vizcaino was. And it was a tweet from this summer. And he's like, uh, he clearly had gone to a game to watch him pitch. And he's like, oh, got here a little late and I missed him. But a scout I talked to said he was his fastball was 98, and his his uh, changeup was the best I've seen it. So we're like, that's what we're doing now. We're taking secondhand information from a guy who didn't actually see the guy pitch, and they're like, oh no, this guy must be amazing. So I made a very horrible joke about the guy witnessing the challenger, missing the challenger launch, and not knowing that it exploded. Everything seems good, and they shot off some fireworks. Like, no, they they didn't. The uh, the Hosmer thing's interesting. I saw it on Twitter and like didn't really give it much thought. But yeah, when you lay it out like that, I think it makes a ton of sense. And I mean, obviously the ownership and cash constraints are well documented, but it's on Jed now. Like, let's see it. Let's see what you got. Well, I mean, they got under the 
the whole U the the U trade was to so they didn't have to pay the luxury tax. And they're not close to it. So they can add you know, they haven't added any salary during the season. No. So and adding two months of Eric Hosmer isn't gonna push you into the luxury tax threshold. So you can do it. That doesn't mean they will do it, but that means they could. And then you wonder what the fallout is from um, if the Dodgers not only get Scherzer, but they get Trey Turner. Well, how the Giants and Padres decide they need to react to that. Yeah. Um, the Giants are, that's an amazing team to me. They just won two out of three from the Dodgers again. I don't know how they ever win again. I watch those games. It's like, who are these freaking guys? You know, it, it, they were, they had to trade for Mike Talkman just to get through like a month of the season. They finally, they released him today. But it's like, oh God, he's, he guy can't hit. I don't know how they ever score a run. And they lead the National League in home runs. Yeah, I'm not sure I could name five players. And I honestly didn't even know Buster Posey was still playing until a couple months ago, like after the season started. And he's had an amazing year. Yeah, he's, yeah. But like last yesterday or last night, he takes a foul. Uh, I don't know. I have to ask Huey. It's either a foul ball or a foul tip off his mask. Immediately has to leave the game. They said he didn't have a concussion, so he was available to pinch hit today. But I mean, that's the margin they're dealing with with him. Is you know he's old and he's been beaten up and he's had lots of concussions and they could lose him at any second. And then. You know, they, they got a big early season out of Evan Longoria, and he's hurt because he's always hurt. And, no, he's not going to hit again. I mean, he's no. they were lucky to get what they got out of him. They need to add somebody. Although I say that, and they just keep winning. And they weren't – they're not supposed to be good yet. Like, they're supposed to be good in two years. They're not supposed to be good right now. And so you wonder kind of what the appetite is to trade prospects when the whole idea is – We've got good young players that are coming, and they built their three World Series teams kind of this way, with a bunch of retreads, and then Buster, who was their one prospect who really hit it, and then good pitching. And it could be that they're like, we just we actually would like to develop some of these young guys one time, just see how it works out. So I don't know. And then you have the Mariners, who trade their closer away. Yeah. Their whole team gets pissed off. And then two days later, they just trade with the Rays and get a new closer. Somebody po- posted the... So the, their closer was Kendall Grape, a guy who the Cubs stashed after he got Tommy John disease and then gave up on him. And then he went up to Seattle and turned into something. But somebody posted Graveman's stats before and after the spider tech crackdown. And it was not pretty. Like, his overall numbers are still awesome. But they're like, uh, you could kind of see why Seattle is like, you know, hey, maybe, hey, Houston. Sure. Would you like him? Uh, I kind, I feel very much like the Cubs did that today by handing Ryan Tapera over to the White Sox. Oh, yeah. It's like, uh, you might not be getting what you think you're getting. No. You can blame it on the calf injury all you want. But <laughs> he didn't, his wasn't as dramatic, but he wasn't as good. And it was pretty clear he wasn't as good. Now, he wasn't like Tommy Nance bad. Yeah. Where the minute you couldn't, you know, slather glue all over yourself, Tommy couldn't throw a strike. Uh, but it wasn't great with Tapera. 
a little surprised to see the Cubs and Sox do business again. I mean, I, I guess they opened the door for it with the Quintana blockbuster a couple summers ago, but um, I guess just these, I mean, trades wouldn't even have been entertained as recently as probably a decade or so ago, I would imagine. It's funny. I think there's only, I think there's only two teams the Cubs won't trade with now. I think it's just the Cardinals and the Brewers. Yeah, yeah. Two teams they that would make sense. Yeah, I would agree. Because that was, of course, every, like, baseball Bigfoot was like, you know who would be a perfect fit for Anthony Rizzo? The Brewers. It's like, yeah. they're not going to fuck. I guarantee you they're not going to trade him to the fucking Brewers. They're not. Um, and, like, if I were them, I would call the Brewers and be like, hey, how'd you like Dan Winkler and Rex Brothers? We can get you these two guys for cheap. Oh, yeah. If they actually just sabotage them. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be all for that. So one of the things I'm I'm I, I'm now really worried about is, you know, they've created they've created they're creating these big holes in their roster, and we got to be getting pretty close to Eric Sogard, DFA, the, you know, his waiver thing runs out. Yeah. No one has claimed him yet. It's like come on, There's somebody, a somebody, please take him. Now there is no, there was never a good reason to have him in the first place, but there's really not now. It would make zero sense to bring him back, considering that the whole idea is to have Sergio actually play. But you just worry about it with Nico Hurt. They'll be like, well, we got to have somebody to, to play there. It's like, no, not him. Anybody but that asshole. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's got to be a chance. There's got to be a non-zero chance he's back at Wrigley at some point, somehow. I think it's... I'm these next couple of weeks. very concerned that it's... I'm really hoping that the Brewers signed like a minor league contract. That it's, feels it just far becomes right. like you know we'll stash you at AAA, and if somebody gets her, the the Brewers just keep trading for second baseman. They're just yeah, they got them all. Um, yes, I don't know. Um, you know the 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 guys the the bloggers who like to look at the sunny side of everything. And I don't know, you, I don't know if you know who I'm talking about. No, I don't think I can guess. You know, there's a lot of things to be excited about now with this team the rest of the way. I mean, um, if they trade Zach Davies tomorrow, which it looks like they will, that creates a spot for Justin Steele in the rotation, and that'll be fun to watch. And they sent Keegan Thompson down. They're stretching him out, and that's going to be fun to watch, and blah, blah, blah. That's true. I'm glad they're going to have Steele and Thompson start. If they were a real fucking baseball team, they would have done that three months ago. And they wouldn't have wasted all those starts on Jake and Trevor Williams. They just wouldn't have done it. Because you know those guys are not good, and they're not going to get any better. Well, they didn't do it. So don't tell me that this is a reason to get fucking excited about it now. That they have to do it because they have these big holes in the rotation. So there's that. But yeah, you just you know they're going to be just full of... Oh, it's going to be fun to see this. It's going to be fun to see this, and we can get Ian Happ consistent at bats again, and we can do this. That's right? exactly what everyone needs. It's like, yeah, we don't. I think we, if we don't know yet what we got with Ian Happ, I don't think two more months. In fact, now we're to the point where we, as Cub fans, we got used to this. When the trade deadline passes tomorrow, and we the Cubs play out the string the last two months, you will be able to tell almost nothing by what the results are. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. There's no pressure anymore on anybody because they're not expected to win now. 
and you'll get guys who will look like the fucking best player in baseball for six weeks, somewhere down the end. And it doesn't mean they're any damn good. It just, it doesn't. We've been fooled before. Like, oh my god, look at Tyler Colvin. He's really figured it out. Yeah. And then the season starts again the next year. Like, yeah, he didn't figure out shit. I guess the only one, one of the only ones worth giving a shit about down the stretch would probably be Advert, I think. Like, just in terms of accumulating big league innings. Well, and that's the that's another thing we don't really know the plan. When does he get just just when does he just get shut down? Yeah, it's yeah, it's coming. Be coming. Right. Um. Yeah, I, I guess as you now you say that, I'd be a little surprised if he throws a pitch in September. Honestly, yeah, and he does. He clearly needs the work because yes, exactly. Got to come up with some way for him to get a left-hander out at least once. It would be nice. Um. Yeah, it was. I think it was, I think it was Taylor who they said something about. Oh, just you know, that's a guy we should. I don't remember who it was. That's a guy we should get. I mean, get him in the pitch lab and get him with Tommy, and they'll figure it out. <laughs> the pitch lab. What is the fucking? Do we really have confidence that Tommy Hadavi has ever figured anything out? Ever? This blind love that they have for you know these guys. And then for like a month, Anthony Iapochi was apparently a really good hitting coach. For a month. And then they went back to not hitting again. He just never heard anything about it. And uh, not to go on the same rant I went on last time we, we talked, but like at some point these guys are who they are and it's on them to figure it out or yeah. not. Yeah, there's nothing more overrated than the pitching coach and the hitting coach. Yeah. There just isn't. And that's why this idea that, oh, just get him with this guy and he'll fix him. That really, that's really not a thing. It's, I mean, a bad hitting coach, I'm sure, can screw guys up. And a good hitting coach, I'm sure, can give a guy, you know, can fine-tune something and really help out. But for the most part, the hitting coaches are there to sit on a bucket and flip balls in the air while a guy hits it as hard as he can into the screen. And the pitching coach is there to make sure that on your off day, you throw X amount of pitches and you run for eight minutes or whatever it is. I mean, that's this this idea that they're that we're so specialized now that they're unlocking all this talent. It's it's so naive, and it just gets repeated over and over and over again, as though it's as though it's real. It's a little infuriating. That's I'm just looking to see if anybody got uh, oh, yeah. traded while we were. Doesn't look like it. So does Bryant go overnight tonight or before lunch tomorrow or something? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess I'll be honest, it's, clearly it could happen at any point. Where yeah. I was just looking. It looks like the... Looks like Scherzer and um, Turner are going to the Dodgers for real. Full return for the Nationals. Max Scherzer and Trey Turner to the Dodgers for catcher Kybert Ruiz. Right-handed pitchers Jose Gray and Gerardo Carrillo and outfielder Donovan Casey. 
So, you know, that, I guess that affects the timing in that now the Padres and Giants both know that they have to do something. Yep. And um, the Dodgers have been linked to Kimbrel pretty heavily. Or not the Dodgers. I mean, they were, but the... Um, I mean, I guess Kimbrel now has been linked the most to the Red Sox of the teams that are left. Yeah. Or maybe still the Dodgers. I'm going to put it past those morons to make another trade. Oh, absolutely not. You know, the for all of our frustration about what the Cubs organization became, one of the most frustrating things is we saw what they we saw the Dodgers do what the, we thought the Cubs were going to do. Yep. The way they run that organization is the way we thought the Cubs were going to run it. And that 100%. Was, we're a big market team. We've got money. We're going to use it. But we're also going to use it to stockpile young players. And we're not going to be afraid to go after, you know, big-time players when they become available, like Mookie Betts. And the Cubs basically got off to a great start in that, you know. But by 2017, they seem to have lost their appetite to do any of that. It was the uh, it was the parallel tracks from Theo's, it must have been his first presser, like very early on. And um, I remember certain other bloggers that, took the parallel tracks way too, literally way too soon. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it's how they should act. And I guess until last year, the I mean, we as Cubs fans are at least still able to point to, like, okay, yeah, like, they've definitely been run better, but, like, they still don't have the ring that, that the Cubs do, and now that's that's up yeah, the door. We still haven't won. They still haven't won a full season World Series. Yeah, exactly, yeah. They won that's, that, that's fair. at half-assed. Um, in fact, that was a joke, one of the – somebody from Washington made about when the trade was rumored. It's like, well, yeah, of course they need, uh, they need Scherzer and Turner to show them how you win a full season world series. Yeah. But I mean, that's the kind of, I mean, they're getting Trey Turner and I guess they don't have to play him in shortstop this year. They could play him in center field if they want, but he has basically said, I'm a shortstop and next year I want to play shortstop, whether for the Dodgers or whoever else. Um, and they already have, um, there you have Corey Seager, who I, I like to make joke over and over again that the Cubs took uh, Albert Elmora because Corey was too tall to play shortstop. Yeah. Who was just the World Series MVP last year. So they just have both guys on the team right now. They have Trey Turner and they have Corey Seager. But it's close to that for the Cubs. You know, they, have, they have David Bodie and they have Matt Duffy on the same roster. It's basically the same embarrassment of riches as having Trey Turner and Corey Seager. It's like it's a rewind to the uh, the Starlin, Javi, Russell days of the too many shortstops. Too many shortstops. We're going to do all these guys. And then two seasons later, Mike Freeman was having to play shortstop at the end of a season because yep. he run out of shortstops. Yeah. Like Jed said, life comes at you fast. Um. You know, one of the things that you were saying before we went on that you're clearly more upset about the Rizzo trade than I was. And it's probably true. Um, only because I still hold out the, the thought that we haven't seen the last of him, that he'll be back. And that, you know, it's given the shape of this season, um, it might be kind of nice for these guys to go play meaningful games again <laughs> instead of what they were going to do with the Cubs. But Yeah, I, I hadn't... Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, but the thing that really worries me is 
I don't know that there's any kind of plan. Oh yeah. I can't imagine that they've that there's this master plan that they're right now they're like, ooh, look at this. It's everything's falling into place the way we thought it was going to. All oh, this is gonna be great. I feel like they're just the the trade deadline's gonna end and they're just gonna look at what they've got le- what's left and they're gonna try to they're gonna have to cobble together, you know, some kind of roster for the rest of the season. And then the off season will come and there's all the uncertainty about what's the CBA gonna look like and they're really not gonna be able to plan for that. And then they're just going to be in scramble mode after that. And I could easily see them being, you know, going into the off season with the idea we've got money to spend. This is a really deep free agent class. We're just going to be really smart with who we sign, but I could see them at some point looking at the CBA and going, you know what? I think maybe we need to take a step back and we'll just see how the market works itself out. We really don't know how the CBA is going to work. We don't want to commit to long contracts until we figure out all the nuances of it. And then they're just shit next year. I could easily see that. Yeah, I mean, that seems like a very likely outcome. And to be a little bit fair, I don't totally think it's the worst thing to see how things shake out because it's going to be different one way or another. Um, But, I mean, yeah, 100%. Like, they clearly don't have any semblance of how they want to do this thing going forward beyond, you know, the next week or 12 hours or whatever. I mean, you'd like to think... That with this the supposedly bunch of smart guys that they have in their front office, that as the CBA starts to fall into place, they can be like, okay, here we know how the here's how this is going to work, and exploit it, because good organizations are going to do that. They're going to immediately look at the thing and go, aha, look at this, we can do this now. We couldn't do that. I have zero confidence that the Cubs are one of those teams that are going to look at it and go, oh, now we can do this. They're gonna go. I don't know. I don't know how this works. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna look at it. And they're gonna raise Bud Light prices to fourteen dollars a, a can next next summer. So one of the things I was heartened to see though was as soon as the game, as soon as the the trade was official, Marquee was all over it. They had a special. They broke into programming. They programming. Had, they had a special. Uh, Anthony Rizzo trade analysis. They they pulled all their big brains together, sat around the... No, they didn't do any of that. <laughs> they just showed a fucking re, rerun of the game that you had just watched. Um, and it's not... It's it's not because... It's not just. It's not because. It's not just because they refuse to be critical of, their, of the team. It's this, they don't want to be critical of the team. Also, that would take uh, ambition and for and forethought to be able to react to to a big story and be the ones who are like, we have a TV network and we want people to come to us to watch it when something big happens. They are still incapable of that. And this is where, for from their perspective, like I, I think I said it or tweeted or something after the Darvish trade. Like this is why, from the organization's perspective, this is why you have a propaganda arm that you control entirely to just pump out overly optimistic content, um, whatever shit like this goes down. So, I mean, I guess now they get to do their thing and yeah, I wouldn't want, wouldn't want to make them break into, I would assume it was the carry wood strikeout game sometime this evening yep. to, to talk Rizzo's trade. No, they, um, they apparently have this new thing. Um, 
they have a sponsored segment with Bruce Levine now. It is sponsored by Elgin Hyundai. And I don't know if you... I don't watch the pre or post very much. Somebody actually sent me a picture of it because they thought it was so funny. Um, one of the parts of the set they have is this huge, weird, horseshoe-shaped couch that they've got. And for whatever reason, Bruce, who uh, is a slob and is an old slob, instead of hiding him behind the desk, they put him on the couch. So you can see that he's got, like, you know, wrinkled khakis and new balance on. And he just sits there, and he kind of sits, it's weird, he doesn't sink into the couch, he just kind of sits on top of it, almost like a toddler, with his arms up, like he's balancing himself. And it's called Lounging with Levine. That's Jesus the new site. And it's, they go to Bruce for this hard-hitting, you know, his, uh, his inside source stuff. It's not a secret that Bruce hasn't broken a story of any importance since the Cubs hired Joe Madden. I will give him complete credit. He has a relationship with Joe's agent, Alan Nero, and he was like the first guy on that. The, he knew Alan Nero clearly had called him and said when Friedman got hired by the Dodgers, he let Bruce know um, Joe can get out of his contract with the Rays and the Cubs should come after him. And then, so Bruce was on it. That, that was his story. He owned it. He told all of Chicago, Joe Mann's available. The Cubs are interested. They'll ditch Ricky if they have to to go get him. And they were right. He hadn't done anything since. Because he doesn't have any other connections. Unless it's, unless, it's a, it's, unless it's Joe Madden, he can't break a story. So the, they send it over to him on the couch, and he's basically just reading other people's Twitter feeds. It's the equivalent of Taylor just reading Wikipedia during the broadcast. It's it's just amazing, the the dearth of talent that they have on that pre and post game show. It's just amazing. And now you're going to run into a thing from now on. It started, actually, it started with the eleven game losing streak, but it's really important starting tomorrow. What reason will any of us have to watch any of that shit? Oh God, no. I mean, I think. Even before this, I could probably count on one hand the number of innings I've watched since the All Star break. Yeah, and and then like I'll still watch games. Sometimes it's on TV too, and down here with with no sound. In fact, a lot, which I can helps me tolerate the Ryan Dempster drop ins because I can't hear it. <laughs> but I don't. I unless I fall asleep with the TV on and wake up, I'm not going to accidentally see the post game show. It's no. not going to happen. In fact, I joked, but it was kind of true. Game ended, and I couldn't find the remote. I'm like, where is it? And I was like, frantically, like trying to figure out, okay, if I can't find the remote, where's the where's the button hidden on the TV so I can change the channel? Because I don't want to accidentally see any of the postgame show. I was scrambling to avoid it. Um, but yeah, you're going to be to the point now where it's like, well, what the fuck are we watching the games for? I mean... It's and they're still going to be they'll still be breaking it down and churning out bullshit content about Rafael Ortega going two for four with a double and three RBIs or some shit like that. Yeah, which I mean they have to, but still. And God bless Rafael Ortega. He actually he's well the minute Bryant is traded, he's legitimately their best outfielder. 
Yeah, I'm going to look this up here. And he's not that good. He's actually had a pretty decent year, especially for a guy who, had, for the first part of the season, had to get every at-bat as a pinch hit. To hit, He's got decent slash numbers for a guy who was pinch hitting as much as he was. But he's not a prospect. He's not, you know, what he does the rest of the year is completely immaterial to the future of the Cubs. Among Cubs with 100 or more plate appearances, he is 7th in OPS+. plus. I mean, yeah, we're not talking the stiffest of competition behind him. but Yeah, yeah, but it's not like the other guys on that list are... I mean, Hayward's not ahead of him. Half's not ahead of him. Not even close. Jock probably wasn't ahead of him. Jock's in Atlanta anyway. Jock's below him. The ones immediately after him are Marisnik, Jock, and Duffy. And then you get into Bodie, Half, Hayward, etc. The Marisnik thing is interesting because... He shouldn't be on the team after tomorrow. No. He's, but I feel like he will be. Oh, he's going to be. I can't yeah, imagine. Why? And I'm sure there are teams that would trade for him. Because he's a really good fourth outfielder. He really is. Absolutely. But what the hell do the Cubs need a really good fourth outfielder for? I think he has an option for next year. But is that's what you're looking ahead to next year? Is like, all right, who's going to be our fourth outfielder next year? we got to keep Jake Marisnik. Got to see what you got in the 30-year-old. I mean, I don't know what you could possibly get for fielder. But this is why you're supposed to have your wonderful scouting. They're supposed to be looking in the minors of other teams and like, well, there's a guy there that I know they don't think much of. That guy's good. So if, if we do if we, if we we trade with them, that's the guy you ask for. But they're just going to keep him. And I actually feel kind of bad for Jake because he's got to play for the Cubs the rest of the year. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, the biggest question is going to be then, like, so do you... I know there are guys in Iowa, and that's what you should be watching. Right now, if you turn in Marquee, you can watch the Iowa Cubs. Because... Yeah, I do think you mentioned that in the last one, yeah. They do a lot of those. And they're very excited to have tonight's game. Um, because the... Why do I keep forgetting his name? This is bad. Um... I'm going to have to remember one of these things because he's actually going to be playing. Greg Dykeman was making his... Oh, uh, right. Making his Cubs debut. Yep. Cubs debut. And morning. then we got the weird propaganda about him, which I hope is true. I just... I'm very... Which was... He was a guy with huge power. Huge. Yeah. And then during the... Actually, <clears throat> it started before that. The end of the 2019 season, the A's basically said to him, "You're gonna have you you're gonna have to cut your swing. Down. You should still be able to hit with power without the huge swing." And then he did, and he went to the Arizona Fall League, and he hit like nine homers in 32 at bats for some ridiculous, or maybe 32 games, probably 32 games. It was a lot of homers in a short amount of time. And then he went to their alternate site last year during the pandemic. And this year, he's not striking out. But he's also, he's playing in Vegas, and he's playing in AAA West, which is the easiest league in the world to hit in. And he's not hitting for any power. Four homers and 13 doubles in an entire season. And the idea was, well, he's still trying, you know, he's figuring out his shorter swing, and then the power's going to come. Well, the A's apparently decided, eh, maybe not, because we'll trade you for a middle reliever. 
And that's one of those two that's like, I mean, who know who knows them better than they do, obviously. And I'll I'll give Billy Bean the benefit of the doubt on on something like that too. And knowing the it's not working out or whatever. Yeah. The um. I mean, I guess the thing that makes me optimistic about that is Chafin really is a really useful pitcher. Yeah. And you do, I think Billy's, you know, I think the Cubs really could extract, um, you know, something for him. So hopefully it turns out that this guy's not a complete waste. But, I mean, of the guys they're going to get, he's going to be the closest to the big leagues. Because I'm sure when they do the the Kimbrel and Bryant trades, if they're really going to get top prospects, those guys are going to be years away, like the two guys they got from the Yankees. Yeah, most likely. So for a very long time, the only thing you're going to have to show from this trade deadline is going to be Greg Dykeman. No pressure, Greg. You <laughs> traded away the entire World Series team, and you're all we've got to show for it. So go get them. So I guess we didn't talk about, um, it just seems, it feels like, maybe it'll start up again tomorrow, but it just feels like Javi has dropped off all trade rumors. Yeah, he has, and I still think someone out there will, you know, pay something stupid for him if they talk themselves into it, which I wouldn't be surprised nor really blame someone for. Because there's a case to be made, and I think both of us would make it, which is, you might as well trade them all. 100%. And people are like, well, and my reasoning for this is simple. It's you let them all get to free agency. You let Rizzo, Bryant, and Javi get to their walk year. And they all have agents who are paid to do to represent them. If you're going to re-sign them, you're gonna, regardless of whether you trade Bryant or Javi tomorrow, you're going to have to make either the biggest offer or an offer that is directly comparable to the biggest one to, to keep them. That doesn't change if you trade them. Right. Uh, and, and I, of course, I'm talking on both sides of my mouth because earlier in the podcast I said it never seems to work that way, though, where you trade a guy and they're kind of like, all right, fucking, I'm not a cub anymore. I'm used to it already. I'll go somewhere else. Um, but I think also in those cases it's very rare that the team that lets the player go shows up in free agency with the biggest bag of cash. I think they all play on this whole idea that um, we have a relationship. We don't have to pay you as much as, you know, you really want to go out, you know, and play for some team you've never played for before for just a few million dollars more. Why don't you come to us? And most players at that point are like, I really like those few extra million dollars. Because it's a lot of money. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to go sign with them. Um, I, I have zero confidence that the Cubs have, you know, have any, have the stones to do any of that. No, I mean, again, what's given any indication that they would even entertain being in the mix and something like that? I mean, what you'd like to think is that they made it, they made a, if you want to give them a lot of credit, which, I mean, I don't run Bleacher Nation, so (laughs) I'm not going to give them all this credit. If you want to give them a lot of credit, you would say, you could make a, you could make a literal uh, or you could make it an argument that makes perfect sense. Rizzo's 31's got a bad back. His best years, he's already had his best years. Yep. And yes, he could still be a productive player. 
but in the offseason, why wouldn't we, if we're going to spend that much money on a first baseman, why don't we try to sign Freddie Freeman, who's a better player? Javi, we love Javi, but he's never going to cut his swing down, ever. Um, how well is that going to age? You know, he can get away with swinging from his ass when he's 28. What's it going to be like when he's 32? He, defensively, he's been not good this year. We could probably find a more reliable shortstop. And then with Bryant, he's a great player, but he's chronically hurt. And are we going to want to pay him $30 million a year to get 108 healthy games out of him and 30 where he's not himself and then however many are left, I can't do math, where he can't play. Those are all flawed arguments because the reality is um, Rizzo's been one of the best first basemen for a long time. He's a first baseman. They age well. You're going to have a DH in the National League next year. You can easily re-sign him and get him plenty of at-bats. Yes, Javi's got a lot of flaws, but Javi does a lot of shit that no other shortstop can do. And then the whole Bryant nagging injury thing, that's true until it isn't. With Cub Luck, he's going to sign somewhere else next year. He's going to play 162 healthy games. Oh, yeah. Ridiculous numbers. But but if, if their argument was they're just not quite worth what they think they're worth, but we're willing to pay that kind of money to replace them. Like, we're willing to have a $25 million first baseman and a $24 million shortstop and a $30 million outfielder. We just don't think that it's best to spend the money with those three guys. That's one argument. That if you want to say, well, the Cubs, they, the Cubs can spend that money. They're just going to they're gonna pick other guys. I don't believe any of that shit. I think the Cubs look at it and say, well, Rizzo should give us a discount. And Javi should have given us a discount. And they're, we're afraid to make an offer to Bryant because Scott Boris is going to make fun of us. So we're just not gonna we're just not gonna do any of that, and that's not that there's there's no path to running a successful organization with that kind of thinking. Because I'd like to think when they go into free agency that they're gonna spend plenty of money on those three spots. I don't think that's their plan. No, I think they're like well, we can find somebody. They're back to the old cub shit, which is we can find somebody almost as good as that guy, but it won't cost us nearly as much. And it's like, well, you know why it won't cost you nearly as much? Because the almost that you talk about is an immense difference. It's not a little bitty difference. It's a huge difference. And there's a reason some of these guys can can demand this kind of money. And then you settle for something, and you don't get anywhere close to that. And that's that's my fear, is that the replacements for these guys who they don't resign aren't going to be anywhere near aren't going to be anywhere near their replacement level. And you're just going to be stuck then in this. The way I equate it, it sounds like you remember this crap thing. The Cubs in about uh, maybe the mid '80s. You looked at their roster, and it was pretty good. Actually, not the mid '80s. Let's say. Let's take it like right after 89. So you had Mark Grace, and you had Ryan Sandberg, and you had Sean Dunstan, and then they were always trying to find a third baseman. Um, and then you had, you had Andre Dawson, and they could never find a center fielder. And you would look at that and go, well, who, are you gonna, who, who could you find that's better than those guys? You know, I mean, this really good team. But it, but it wasn't. Like, Sandberg was a legitimately great player. Grace was a good player. 
Dawson had been a, had been a great player who was now just a good player because he was always hurt. Dunstan was a flawed player who I loved, but they wouldn't replace. They could never find a third base. They could never find a center fielder. But they could delude themselves into saying, these guys are good players. We should be able to win with these players. And they weren't good enough. And they clearly weren't good enough. And other teams looked at it and said the Cubs aren't good enough. But the Cubs couldn't figure that out. I really worry that that's what we're going to be running into starting now. This Well, this guy's almost as good as Rizzo was in his prime. This guy's almost as good as Bryant was. And they're not really that close. But they're, you know. And it's like, okay, well, you're the, you're the Pirates now. The Pirates had two of the, two of the eight position players that started the All-Star game were Pirates. The Pirates have the worst record in baseball because they only had those two guys who were any good, and neither one of them are that good. They're nice players. Reynolds and Frazier were nice players, but they weren't really good. They weren't difference makers. But if you're the Pirates, you're like, well, we had two All-Stars. So what? I, the 88 Cubs had six All-Stars, and they weren't any damn good. So I don't even know where I'm talking. I don't even know where I'm going with that anymore, other than... Um, I guess it, we, we, we equate it back to the Dodgers, which the Dodgers, good enough, is never good enough. Yeah. That's why they, I mean, obviously, the, one of the reasons they trade for Max Scherzer is they signed a scumbag in the offseason, and now he's going to go, hopefully he's going to prison. And, um, and then apparently there's a loophole where while they have to pay Bauer, but while they're paying him on the restricted list, it doesn't count against the luxury tax. Really? So they're able to, um, they're able to reallocate that, and so they can afford to pay some of Scherzer's money. The Nats didn't have to pick up as much of it because they could still. I think the Dodgers are over, but when you're over, you don't want to keep going over by a lot because you're paying tax on all. Yep. So that was one of the reasons they were able to get super aggressive with Scherzer, and then they had apparently you had to you had to reassure him you were serious about re-signing him. And one of the things I'm sure they could tell him was, well, if Trevor goes to prison, his money's off our books, and we'll just give you that. So, Seems like a reasonable arrangement. I mean, one of the weird things is, so the Cubs, the one, the huge trade chip they have currently is Kimbrell. The only reason they have him is because Ben Zorbis went on the restricted list. Yeah, yep. And they used that money to sign Kimbrell. But they didn't. That wasn't money that didn't count against. It didn't count against the thing. But they didn't have to pay it because they were the Cubs. Literally spent that money that they saved. Yeah, I remember when I remember when Theo when Kaplan denied that they only signed Kimbrel because of the Zobris like being away situation, or whatever. And Kaplan was denying that that was the case right after Theo had straight up said that it yeah. was the case. <laughs> that, that was my yep, that's, that's my um, memorable moment from that one. It's like Dave, what are you arguing? The, the guy who should know just said it. I mean, yeah, they were pretty transparent about it, which is we have financial flexibility right now. And you wonder how pissed off they were to see in the divorce that the only reason he came back for the last six weeks was because Juliana made it. And she was pissed that he was given all that because he, that he wasn't getting paid. Cubs are like, we, we, we gave him an extra $6 million just because she threw a tantrum. Ah, those are the days. So, yeah, Rizzo's gone. We don't know what's going to happen with uh, with Bryant and Kimbrell. 
Um, I mean, I think I think it's a hundred percent chance Kimbrel's traded. I think absolutely somehow screw it up. It's probably not a hundred percent on Bryant. Um, I think it was John Heyman was saying one of the ways you have to look at it with a guy like Bryant is um, you are you know if if you don't trade him, then obviously you make him a qualifying offer, which you know he's not going to take. That'll give you a pick somewhere between thirty and thirty-five, which doesn't sound like that great a pick, and it's really not. But the the reason teams love those compensatory picks is they're valued at a lot of money as to your signing um, to the to the draft pool money you get for the draft pool, and you almost never have to pay the player that much. Meaning you can then, if you get, one of the reasons people love those comp picks is you can be more aggressive with your first round pick because what a lot of teams do is they try to, they try to take a first round pick where they don't have to pay their entire slot so that they can stretch with either a second or third round pick and get a player that they can now throw extra money at who they otherwise wouldn't be able to sign. And he said, one of the things they love about the comp picks is there's a lot of built-in extra money in that pick where you might be able to add a second and third rounder better than you could have otherwise because you've got extra money in your pool. So when they go to figure this out, they're like, okay, if, if you're only going to give us two 19-year-olds and a 20-year-old, we would be better off keeping that cash and drafting next year the exact 19-year-olds that we want and throwing the money at them instead of taking the guys you're going to try to give us. It's, I, don't think it's a, I don't think that's a great argument. It, I mean, but it's it not, but it's sense. also, yeah, it's legit. And, like, not that I'm holding out much of any hope that it'll happen, but if somehow keeping Chris Bryant around for the duration increases their odds of signing him, even incrementally, then you basically just, you have to do it. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, he's he's all but gone. I'm fully expecting to wake up tomorrow with him on the Giants or something. I mean, it, all we can go by are the people that follow this shit, and I'm dubious of how of how good any of them are at it. But I think there, the feel I think there's a general feeling right now that the Cubs did so much better than people thought they would do for Rizzo that there has to be a package out there for Bryant. Yep. that's worth it. That if you can get two top twelve picks out of the Yankee system, which is supposed to be good for Rizzo, Bryant, who's a much better player should get you a lot more than that. And I guess that's Jed's decision the next, you know, whatever it is, 16 hours or whatever, is is this package really that much better than what we can do with it if we cobble it together ourselves? And I, you know, I don't know. It's... Like when you go back to what we started with, it's ludicrous that they're that they're in the spot. Chris Bryant is a guy who three years ago they should have signed to a ten year contract. They should have just locked his ass up. You shouldn't even have to be worried about it. He should be the guy while you're say you'd fallen out of the race like you did this year. That should be the whole idea is okay, we've got we've got Chris Bryant as a centerpiece. We're we're gonna use the trade deadline to try to bring in young talent to go around him. But instead, he's not even there. They're building around what? 
Patrick Wisdom and Nico. Yeah. 29 year old you picked up off waivers. <laughs> and your first round pick who hasn't had a home run in two years. <sighs> That's great. And then Wilson, who is a guy that I'm very skeptical as to how much he's in their long term plan. Yeah, I mean, obviously being an athletic catcher doesn't necessarily bode well for aging gracefully. I guess one thing with the DH, like maybe that changes his outlook a little bit. I mean, you could always Cadillac his ass out to left field too, um, but that, I mean, the incremental benefit there from someone else would probably be significant. I don't know. I mean, you look at – there have been some old-ass catchers who could still play. Um, I guess the thing about Wilson is at some point, I mean, he's like Gumby right now. He, you know, he gets hit with pitches or he gets hit with foul balls or whatever. And you expect, Oh my God, that's, and then he just seems to bounce right back and he's fine. At some point you get to an age where you can't do that anymore. That shit hurts. And it still hurts for good. Yeah. Um, the thing about Wilson, I mean, I guess we can end on this. The thing about Wilson is it's very clear that on a team full of guys who don't want to lead, and that's fine. Not everybody has the personality to be the leader. He very clearly wants to do it. Yes. Like, he, he, he will take that mantle, and he would carry it. And it's, all, it's just as clear, given how quickly um, Ross cut him off at the knees when he spoke out about guys not playing hard enough, that at least Ross, if not the entire organization, does not want him to do it. That's not a good sign. No. Because basically he's like, all right, if you want somebody who's going to run around this clubhouse and kick people in the ass and tell them we've got to work harder, I'll do it. And they're like, oh, yeah, we need somebody to do it. We Maybe not you. That's not great. Especially considering that the manager, that was basically his only role on teams he played on the last 10 years of his career. Yeah, to be that guy. To be the hard ass, to go around and give everybody shit. And then he's got a catcher who wants to do it, well, a catcher who watched him do it and wants to do it, and he's like, eh, I don't think so. One of the things that's going to be interesting after tomorrow is it's going to be, there are going to be drastically fewer players in that clubhouse already who still played with David Ross. Yeah, what's it going to be? I mean, it's still going to be Wilson Four. and Javi and Hendricks. Um, Hayward. And Hayward. Still dining off of letting him use his suite. <laughs> it's not going to be very many guys anymore. Um, and that could be good or bad. It should be good. It should be good. Um, because they're clearly... I mean, there's no. you'll never get a better example, as long as you live, of the cliques that still exist in that clubhouse than... Rizzo getting picked off twice in a game, and then the next day, Javi gets benched for yep. no running hard. What you really would have liked to have seen, because Javi, you know, it was fine to bench Javi. I mean, he really, he lost track of the outs when he realized that he, you know, that he was picked up. He didn't even try to get back. What you really would have liked to have seen would have been Ross to have yanked both of those guys, Rizzo and Javi. And then in the postgame said, the last two days... Two of my veteran players have been completely checked out on the bases, and we can't have that. 
And so they both. I, I took both of them out and sat their ass. But he didn't. He only did it to hobby. And I didn't go unnoticed in that clubhouse. Nor should it. So. But, you know, it's easy to tell somebody else how to do their job. But I'm... Yeah. I'm... I'm less and less impressed with our manager. Absolutely. All the time. I mean, yeah, we didn't obviously didn't have much much of anything at all. The judgment after just the sixty game farce last year, but I mean, yeah, returns now that's been a like real circumstances have not been encouraging. No. no, I mean, you'd like to see he really has an opportunity now. Yeah, and that's the opportunity. Like, okay, now you've got two months where your expectations are nothing. Now's the time to get creative. It's creative to try shit, figure out, okay, here's how we're going to use our bullpen. Here's how we're going to do our lineups. Here's how we're going to do this stuff. And we're not, and we're no longer stuck with um, these established veterans who are in these roles and we kind of have to work around them. I just, I don't think there's any creativity there. I don't think you're going to see, like, you know, I just, I don't think you're going to see anything that doesn't look like normal paint by numbers management. I think that's all you get with him. So, but I could be wrong. I'm occasionally wrong. Maybe I'll be wrong about that. No. no. All right. Well, thanks, Kyle. Yeah. Thanks. I I... If, if tomorrow, if the you know something huge happens again, <laughs> we have to have another emergency podcast. But um... I do feel I feel a little bit better. Um, just being pretty bummed about the obviously the Rizzo trade and I hadn't really considered the somewhat viable, but still a little bit far-fetched theory of him somehow coming back this off season. So holding on to that and full disclosure, um, appropriate backdrop for what I was going on at the beginning. And, and I, I do have my put a C on his chest, 44 t-shirt on tonight. So just acknowledging my bias. Yeah. And I feel like, and I'll try to, I'll try to do a better job when I write the newsletter for tomorrow. I mean, I don't. I, I I know I didn't. I said I don't feel like I did. I didn't give Rizzo enough credit in this podcast because he's he was he's he was one of the very most vital players to them actually winning the World Series. I mean, um, I, I would say they don't do it without him, but it's ridiculous to say that you know they couldn't have replaced any one player with somebody kind of as good. But. Um, He's he's just a super important player for them, you know. It's to have he's a, it's a unique skill set in some in some dude that big, that he could be your big middle of the order thumper left handed bat and then be able to basically one of the things they're really going to miss right away is anytime somebody goes to bunt against them, it's going to be a lot different than it was with Anthony Rizzo playing first base where he would just yeah. like stand three feet from the batter and not give a shit. Like it, you want to pull back and swing away, warfare. give it a shot because other I'm just going to take this. I'm going to throw a third base. Um. You know, have to have a a genuinely great defensive first baseman who also could hit home runs, and he did have some huge hits. And one of the things it's easy to get lost, and I was as guilty as anybody. Um, all him and Javi and Bryant were all terrible in the postseason after the Nat series in 2017. Yep, and he was the worst of the three. He, yes, he, he had an 054 slugging in his last ten playoff games. That's awful. But they were all That's that way. But he also had huge hits in the St. Louis series, 
and in the Dodgers series and the play and in the World Series. And that shit obviously counts because the reason they wear a ring is because of the big hits. I mean, it was him starting to hit in the LCS in 2016, him and Addison, was the reason that they escaped the NLCS. You know, if it you was. don't win the NLCS, you don't win a pennant, you don't win a World Series. So, you know, he will be, um, he was the most popular Cub of this era. And he will, it, it was funny, we always talk about how the Ricketts were never able to take advantage of being the owners who finally won the World Series. Because they're just awful people. And it just, it's shown through. Well, Anthony Rizzo was the opposite of that. And he will, for the rest of his life, be a hero in Chicago and get to do whatever he wants in that town. Because he is who he is, and he was on the team that won the World Series. Uh, and he deserves that. That's great. So, I don't want people to think that I don't like him, because I, I did. He's a, right. I do. Um, at the same time, I keeping him at this point, I, th- I thought, I guess, I thought they were going to keep him just because they were afraid to get rid of everybody. And that's not a good reason to do that. If your whole idea is we're going to tear it down, then tear it down. Don't keep the one guy because you're like, ooh, we need somebody to sell tickets. It's like, I got the news for every, as much as people love Anthony, if he's the only good player on your team, people aren't, your attendance isn't going to be markedly different than if he's not there. Um, and we'll see, we'll, time will tell if they did anything good with this trade or not. Um, chances are they didn't because these trades usually aren't, but maybe they did. Um, yeah, and then hopefully he's... I don't want to say hopefully, but I think there's a chance that you know, we haven't seen the last of it. Yeah, there's a chance. All right. Well, thanks, Kyle. Yeah, thanks for the emergency notification. Yeah, I didn't. I knew we were. I, I figured we were probably going to have one today. I did not think it was going to be because Anthony Rizzo got traded. Yeah. Many of us have herpes. 